Welcome to the Mariners cast presented to you by Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. It is August 23rd, Wednesday. Mariners took the second of three games from the Chicago White Sox last night, 6-3. Mariners play today in about an hour. It is George Kirby against Michael Kopech. On today's Mariners cast, we will recap last night's game. We will talk a little bit about the White Sox mess that culminated in the firing of uh, Executive Vice President Ken Williams and GM um, Rick Hahn. Uh, This was, I ripped them a couple days ago. Uh, It was interesting that the timing of the firing happened yesterday. We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, The Mariners picked up a new pitcher, Luke Weaver. Uh, We will talk a little bit about Weaver and what the Mariners might see in him, despite his uh, statistics. And then we will dive into the George Kirby-Michael Kopech matchup. So the Mariners are now 71-55, and one game out of the American League West a half game behind second place Houston. Mariners are the third wild card behind uh, Houston and Tampa Bay. The Mariners are one game ahead of the Toronto Blue Jays for that last spot, five games ahead of the next team, the Boston Red Sox. They are sporting a plus 87 run differential and are on an eight-game winning streak. So last night, Mariners win 6-3 over the Chicago White Sox, the listless, gutless Chicago White Sox. Brian Wu came off of the injured list to give the Mariners four innings on 65 pitches. This was about what you would have expected from Wu coming off the injured list with the sore right forearm. Uh, The bullpen picked up the slack uh, and pitched the remaining five innings, gave up two runs in those five innings. Brian Wu looked like Brian Wu. Normal pitch mix here, uh, fastball, sinker, pretty much normal usage on those two pitches for him. He did throw the cutter a lot more, 23% cutter. Over the season, it was 9.5%. He threw three sliders and one changeup. His velocity was down a bit on um, the cutter. That might have been intentional. It was up on the slider. That also might have been intentional. Um, fastball was pretty much what he had been throwing over the course of the season. He topped out at 97. Uh, he only got two swings on 17 fastballs, but he got five swings on eight, eight cutter swings. So I don't know what he was doing different with the cutter. Uh, he probably got a little bit more movement, dropped a little bit of velo on it, but it proved to be a very effective pitch for him in this game. Um, But the Mariners got what they wanted. Four innings, one run. I believe it was three hits, uh, one walk, three strikeouts. He did not get a decision because he only went four innings. But that was, again, what the Mariners wanted from him. Uh, They used the bullpen for five innings, but anticipating George Kirby going tonight or today, a day off on Thursday. And then you've got Bryce Miller Friday, Logan Gilbert Saturday, and Luis Castillo Sunday. In theory... The one pitcher who may not give the Mariners, you know, six to seven innings might be Bryce Miller. But even then, he's he has pitched into the sixth 
recently. So you could afford to use the bullpen quite a bit as they did in this game. Pretty smart usage as far as I'm concerned, barring a blow up from one of their top three starters over the next five days. So that was Brian Wu. Uh, The offense, again, produced six runs. I am going to eat a little crow on Josh Rojas. Um, I still do not think that Josh Rojas is the answer at second base long-term, but he's been on a bit of a heater. Uh, He's been a lot better than Colton Wong was. I have to give him credit for that. In this game, he went one for four, but he scored two runs with a walk, but he scored two runs. He had two RBIs and he hit a big home run off of Mike Clevenger in the fourth inning. This was on a 93 mile an hour fastball that was middle in, belt high. And it was a pitch that we saw Colton Wong not really do a lot of damage on. I think of, when I think of Rojas, I have to compare him to Wong because they're playing the same role. In 49 plate appearances for the Mariners, Josh Rojas is hitting 255, 286, 426. That's barely a 700 OPS. But when you compare it to the sub 500 OPS that Colton Wong posted, in 216 plate appearances, it is an enormous improvement. On face value, it's not great. Enormous improvement over what the Mariners had. He's already hit two home runs. That's how many home runs Colton Wong had. 12 runs, seven RBIs, two steals, so providing more speed. He doesn't walk as much, but he's been good for a .4 Fangraphs war so far with the Mariners in 49 plate appearances. And he's in the 82nd percentile on the season, uh, outs above average. So playing above average defense, uh, hitting for a little bit of power, uh, above 700 OPS so far. It's, you know, it's not great. It's not what you want out of your second baseman ultimately, but it's also an enormous improvement over what the Mariners had. So uh, I applaud Josh Rojas thus far, it was a shrewd move on the part of uh, Jerry DePoto to pick him up, um, and he was the offensive star in yesterday's game. Uh, Just for reference, Colton Wong was, for the Mariners, hit 165. He only had two home runs. He had a negative one Fangraphs war and was a below average second baseman, according to outs above average. Mike Ford in this game went two for two. He had a run in an RBI. J.P. Crawford was on base twice, one for four with a run in an RBI, added a walk, doing J.P. Crawford things. Tailscar Hernandez, two for five with a run scored. Um, he remains hot. So, you know, the offense played okay. Uh, Felix, Felix, Julio Rodriguez um, was out with a stomach bug in this game. But Mariners didn't need him. Mariners still put up six runs. Uh, they were facing Mike Clevenger. Clevenger had pitched pretty decently over the course of the season. He gave up four runs in five innings against the Mariners. Um, but the offense, I think, is, is I wouldn't say is hot, but to score six runs without your best player is is not a bad place to be. Uh, Pitching-wise, Taylor Saucedo pitched two-thirds of an inning, gave up a hit, and had a K. Uh, Trent Thornton. Pitched a third of an inning. He walked He walked a batter, but then um, got out of that jam. He picked up a hold. Isaiah Campbell, one and two-thirds innings, four hits, one run, two strikeouts. He looks okay. Um, 
Again, I think he's more of a seventh inning reliever than he is a back of the end or back of the uh, bullpen sort of relief arm. Justin Topa got the win. He's now three and three with a two one zero ERA, one point one innings, one strikeout. Gabe Spire gave up a home run in the ninth to uh, Andrew Benintendi, left on left, created a safe situation. Mariners brought in Andres Munoz to pick up his eighth save on a strikeout on a third of an inning. I do want to touch on Munoz. He was down. A half mile an hour on the sinker and 1.6 miles an hour on the four seamer um, compared to his yearly average. He only threw four pitches, very small sample. He might have just been warming up. I don't know. Um, but his velocity is still down and you don't ever want to see that. Was he easing up because of all the use? Maybe. Is he tired? Could be. Is he hurt? I think all of those are questions that are worth asking. Only the Mariners know, but um, it still is, it's something I'm watching. Every appearance, I am pulling up his, you know, his savant stats for uh, that particular game to see if there's any indication of of injury or um, overusage. So again, just something to continue to watch with Andres Munoz. Uh, but I think we'll see Matt Brash in some of those situations moving forward, as I've talked about. So Mariners grinded out a victory in this game. Um, you know, the, uh, I will touch on it in a minute, but the news of the front office firings, which are a huge deal in the White Sox organization, uh, you would ex- came down before the game. You would have expected the White Sox players to, I would have expected them to come out with some fight. Didn't really have it. Uh, I don't know downtrodden organization at this point in time i i would not would not want to be a fan we i went off about that yesterday i won't today but it's ugly uh and just for a little background on rick Hahn and ken williams ken williams was an outfielder kind of a fourth outfield type played in from 1986 to 1991 four of those years were with the white Sox. In 1992, he was hired by the White Sox as a scout. Uh, He was the general manager for the White Sox from 2000 to 2012. He was the GM behind the World Series winning team in 2005. Um, This team led the AL in wins. Uh, I didn't think this team was particularly great, but he did end up winning a World Series with it. He was promoted to executive vice president in 2012 and has held that position since. So, He's really been a part of the organization for darn near 35 years. And I'm sure that's really hard to fire a uh, a person who has been a part of an organization for that long, which is why he held uh, leadership positions in the front office for as long as he did, despite their results. Rick Hahn was promoted from assistant GM to GM in 2012 when Ken Williams moved to EVP. Uh, they oversaw the trade of Chris Sale to the Red Sox in the offseason of 2016 for Michael Kopech, Yohan Moncada, and Luis Basabe. This was a pretty fateful trade for the organization. Chris Sale was the man, so to speak. Um, obviously, Kopech and Moncada did not work out in, in the way that they had expected. Moncada at the time was the number one prospect in baseball. 
Uh, there are rumors that the White Sox are going to be up for sale, that the uh, Reinsdorf family is looking into it. Um, I think it needs to happen. They've grown stale. They're always kind of stale. They've grown very stale. Uh, they stuck with, I think, front office people who have been passed by, you know, from a a uh, statistical and evaluation standpoint, uh, talent evaluation standpoint. They've been passed up. And it's time to get, it's either time to get with the times and bring in uh, evaluators and a front office who is familiar with the current game or you sell the team. Um, I think there's a lot of potential in, uh, in the uh, organization, the value of the organization, the public support of the team. Uh, there's a lot of things that cool things that I think could happen with this organization if someone came in and injected life into it. It needs life. It needs resuscitation. It needs an overhaul. Um, if I was a young GM, this would be a blast of a team because there is uh, financial might or the potential to have a big financial backing because you're in Chicago and there's history with this team. So we'll see what happens. But the, I found it interesting. They were fired yesterday. It's been a long time coming. For a lot of people, they tell you it was 10 years, 15 years coming. Um, but it did finally happen. You never want to see people lose their jobs. Those two made quite a bit of money. I'm sure they're going to be okay. All right. So yesterday, the Mariners reinstated Brian Wu from the 15-day IL um, in order to make this start. Uh, they optioned Edward Bazardo and Darren McCoggin to Tacoma. They transferred Emerson Hancock to the 60-day DL. Emerson Hancock is now officially done for the season with the shoulder soreness. Um, it is, I guess, a bit disappointing. I was exciting to see more of him. The knock on Hancock has been his, his uh, poor health over the first couple of seasons within the Mariners organization. I would expect the Mariners to not count on him for 2024, but to see him be a part of the major league team um, coming out of the gates. Uh, the other move was the Mariners signed Luke Weaver to a major league contract. Uh, who is Luke Weaver? Why did the Mariners sign him? Uh, he is 30 years old. He's a right-handed pitcher. Weaver was drafted in the 2014 draft, uh, 27th overall by the St. Louis Cardinals. This past offseason, he signed a one-year, $2 million deal with the Cincinnati Reds, pretty much to soak up innings. He has previously pitched for the Royals, the Diamondbacks, and the Cardinals. His record this season was 2-4 and four with a 6.87 ERA and a 1.64 whip. The Reds allowed him to throw 97 innings, 125 hits, 34 walks, 85 Ks. On his career, 547 and two-thirds innings, 608 hits, and a 5.16 ERA. He started 102 games. He's come in relief 34 games. Um, he's, you know, you look at all those numbers and you say, why the hell are the Mariners picking this dude up, right? What, what do the Mariners see in him is the question you have to ask yourself. And I said the same thing. I know Luke Weaver's been terrible from a you know, just through fantasy baseball. And so what is it they see? They clearly see something they feel like they can tweak, 
or change or rehabilitate to make Luke Weaver into a, uh, to salvage him, essentially. So I wanted to dig. I wanted to know who he was. I wanted to know what he threw. He's a new player in the Mariners organization. So the first thing I saw was Luke Weaver's fastball spin rate. This year, it's in the 85th percentile in baseball. In in 22, it was in the 82nd percentile. Not in 21, it was in the 91st percentile. And in 2020, Luke Weaver's four-seam fastball was in the 89th percentile for spin. Okay, so we'll start with a high-spin fastball. Similar to the Mariners picking up Trent Thornton, who had a high-spin sweeper. Edward Bazardo had a high-spin breaking ball. It's something they're clearly looking for. Uh, the second thing is he's never walked more than 8.9% of the batters he's faced. So he doesn't walk people. And he's been in somewhere in the 7% range since 2020. So he doesn't walk anyone. He's got a high-spin fastball. Um, he's thrown... He threw four pitches above 12.9% so far this season. He's also mixed in a cutter and a sweeper. He's kind of throwing the kitchen sink at everybody. Um, I would assume Luke Weaver in relief, you'll see the Mariners cut down on the number of pitches and have him focus on the few pitches they feel like will um, work well together and where he can become better, execute those pitches better. Fastball at 94, slider at 87, changeup at 86. He's gotten pretty decent whiff rates on the changer and the few cutters he's thrown. Uh, Changeup is a 30% whiff rate pitch this season, 29% last season. The cutter this season is a 33% whiff rate. Um, That's not a bad place to start. And I think the Mariners will, again... They'll pare down his pitch mix. They see something that they can do with that mix to make him an effective uh, reliever. So the Mariners have said he will be a long guy. He's going to be in that mop-up role. Um, He may provide a spot starter too. They're not going back to a six-man rotation with Hancock uh, on the injured list. If they need a day of rest because one of the Mariners starters have imploded and they need to – they need to or or have gone long in games and they need to give the, the starting rotation a rest. They will use Luke Weaver. This was the role that you saw Trent Thornton in a little bit. You saw Taylor Saucedo in quite a bit where, you know, the game where Hancock got hurt, they needed someone to come in early. That would be the Luke Weaver role. He probably would throw three, four, five innings if they could get it out of him. Um I think it moves Thornton into a more of a right-handed, right-on-right specialist. Uh, That sweeper lends itself to him being able to do that. It lengthens the pen quite a bit because now instead of one inning at a time from each of your relievers, you might be able to get three uh, out of one guy in the case that they need it. Um, I like it. I think that it's a smart move. I don't know what Luke Weaver will end up being, but I do think there was a role or a spot for someone like this who is going to give you multiple innings, potentially more than two. And there's some still some, I think, rough clay 
to work with. If you're throwing, you know, it's like the old football saying, like if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks because, you know, you want one to stand out. I think with Weaver, he's throwing all these pitches, six pitches, basically, he's thrown a fair amount. He's thrown, you know, almost 100 sweepers all the way to cutter, curveball, slider, change up, fastball. Like, what is it you do? It's like going to Cheesecake Factory and you've got this huge menu and you don't know what to what they do well or what to order other than the fact that Cheesecake is in the name because there's so many options. Tell me what you do well. I want to go to a barbecue spot and they're like this. They do por- pulled pork sandwiches or they do ribs. That's what they do, right? I want to see three sides on the menu. I don't want to see 10. You can't make all 10 great. Three of them, focus on the three, make them your best thing, right? I think with pitchers, quite often it's the same thing if all six of your pitches aren't decent, right? Chris Bassett is a good example of a pitcher who has six decent pitches, but nothing elite. Luke Weaver, especially in relief, Mariners are going to go through and they're going to say, you know what? We don't like your curveball. Don't throw that anymore. Slider looks good. You've got a slider and a sweeper. Let's make it into one pitch. Now your fastball, change up, slider, cutter. You've got all these pitches that are making left turns. And let's figure out what, which one or two are best. Maybe he's like one breaking ball, fastball, change up, and that's it. Whatever the case is. I think they might have him be cutter, slider, changeup, and scrap the four-seamer. But who knows? Point being, there was a role for him. I like it. I think it's smart. It lengthens the pen. It slots guys into more of a defined um, role, which is something that I like a lot, in the middle innings at least. Uh, smart. Don't know if he's going to end up being decent at all. Um, but... I like when they churn. I like when they try to find, uh, you know, talent either, you know, as free agents or coming cheaply in trades. It's really how the Mariners have built this bullpen. So smart pickup. I like it. We'll see what happens. Uh, today's game begins at, I believe, 11-10 first pitch. It is a day game, obviously. Michael Kopech against George Kirby. George Kirby's going for the Mariners, 10 and 8 with a 3-2-3 ERA. His 3-2-3 ERA is 13th amongst qualified starters in baseball and 7th in the American League. His 1.02 whip is first in Major League Baseball amongst qualified starters. First. He's the best whip in baseball. 150 and two-thirds innings, sixth most in baseball. 133 strikeouts, 2.4% walk rate. Absolutely elite. Uh, I would expect George Kirby to go deep into this game against a team in the White Sox who have basically thrown in the towel. Um, Mariners used the bullpen yesterday, I think, in anticipation of George Kirby going today. Mariners did not pitch Matt Brash. I assume they're saving him for this game. Mariners also have a day off tomorrow. So if they need to pitch uh, anybody two days in a row, they probably can. So George Kirby going for the Mariners, AL Cy Young candidate, getting a lot of uh, national publicity recently. 
He opposes Michael Kopech. Michael Kopech is also a right-handed starting pitcher. He is 27 years old, 6'3", 210. Kopech was drafted 33 overall by the Red Sox in 2014. As I said, he was a part of that Chris Sale trade along with Yohan Moncada. He is arbitration eligible in 24. He is a free agent in 26. So who is Michael Kopech? What has he done this season? He's 5-11. and 11. 5.12 ERA and a 1.50 whip. He lets on a runner and a half per inning. 116 innings, 98 hits, 76 walks, and 117 strikeouts. A 14.7% walk rate. That's his downfall. You don't really need to know anything else about Michael Kopech other than the fact that he walks 15% of the batters he faces. He doesn't surrender that many hits. His stuff is elite. But he's ha- he's surrendering an 806 OPS against lefties and an 846 OPS against righties. He figured something out in May and June. His ERA in May was 275. His ERA in June was 296. Every other month, his ERA has been above 6.61. In his last start against Colorado, in Colorado on the 18th, four innings, six hits, Nine earned runs, four walks, one strikeout. In May and June, when he had a sub three ERA, he was averaging 95 to 97 on the fastball. Now he's averaging 93 to 94. Um, and he's a power pitcher. So averaging 93, 94 on your fastball as a power pitcher is not going to cut it. He is in the 94th percentile for fastball spin. His velocity is over the season is right around the same as it was last season. He gets good whiff rates, right? His changeup has a 34% whiff rate. Fastball and slider are right in the 27% range. That's not great, but it's not bad, especially on the fastball. He threw a curveball last season a bit more. He's pretty much scrapped it this season, but he's added the changeup in against left-handers. So left-handers see fastball, slider, changeup. Right-handers basically see fastball, slider. He doesn't surrender a ton of hits, as I said but he has zero command, none, 15% walk rate, zero command, zero control. He's in the zone about 3% less than league average. Zone contact is below league average, meaning it's harder to hit him in the zone. First pitch strikes more than 7% fewer than major league average. So gets behind in the count and he's toast. Swing percentage against is almost 5% less than league average, meaning hitters just wait him out. And his whiff rate is uh, slightly above league average. So what is that? What is that? That's very good stuff to elite potentially. And hitters just stand up there and wait for him to get behind in the count and throw fastballs or wait to take walks. This season, he is a 62% forcing fastball pitcher. Last season, he was 62% as well. So you're throwing a fastball at 95 62% of the time, you know, this is similar in some ways to Bryce Miller and Brian Wu before they incorporated the sinker. Where's Kopech's sinker? Where's the coaching, right? Where's the tweaking? What I have in my notes in watching him and looking at his numbers is Cleveland, Tampa, the Dodgers, the Giants, I don't know, the Mariners, the Yankees, 
someone is going to get a hold of Michael Kopech and turn him into an incredibly effective pitcher. Soon. If I was those teams, I would be lining up to trade for Michael Kopech because he has a very, he's a quality, quality arm with quality stuff in an organization, as I've stated numerous times, that doesn't know what the hell they're doing. So Mariners face Kopech today. I fully expect a uh, a lineup full of, you know, bench guys, um, especially with the day off coming tomorrow. You just, I would run a bunch of guys up there against Kopech and tell them to just sit and wait for him to walk you or groove the fastball because that's what his numbers say. His numbers say he's going to walk a bunch of people and then he's going to start giving up hits because he has to throw fastballs because he's behind in the count. Um, so that game starts in about a half hour. I love day games. It means I get to watch them live. Uh, super excited. Should be a good time. Again, the Mariners are a game out of the American League West lead. This is fun. This is the stretch run. Buckle up. Going to be a blast. Uh, this was today's Mariners cast uh, presented by Sports Ethos. Once again, you can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20. That is T-I-N-O-J-R-2-0. And the podcast at Ethos Mariners. E-T-H-O-S-M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S. We will be back tomorrow to, you know what? I don't know what we're going to do. Maybe we'll talk Lazaro Montes. Maybe we'll talk a little about, bit about the Mariners' Modesto team that is now basically an Everett teams that are basically accumulating um, big minor league talent. The Mariners minor leagues are blowing up. Emerson, uh, uh, or Colt Emerson has hit incredibly well. Ty Pete, these guys are getting moved up to get more at-bats. Um, Harry Ford had a walk-off a couple days ago. Uh, Lazaro Montes is is killing it. He's going to be a top 100 prospect going into next year. Prelander Baroa has been locked down as a reliever. I expect to see him up with the Mariners at some point. Again, uh, maybe we'll talk minor leagues. Maybe we'll talk about what's coming up with the rest of the season. We'll dig into the schedule. I'm not sure yet. It'll be whatever I'm feeling. We might just celebrate the Mariners being tied for first place in the American League West. I don't know. Whatever it is, going to be fun. Appreciate the listen. Again, thanks for listening to the Mariners cast. We will talk to you tomorrow. Enjoy the game. Peace.